to the Conscious Contact Podcast. My name is Janae and I am your host. And today we are talking to Jamal Murphy, one of the hosts of We Like It So What, a wonderful podcast that deep dives into all the nerdy details of pop culture, movies, comics. And I've known Jamal for about 14 years. So this episode is mostly just two friends shooting the breeze, lots of puns, dad jokes, and lighthearted conversation, but we do wind down the rabbit hole and end this podcast episode with debating the existence of God. So strap in and enjoy. Hello, Jamal. Bonjour, Janae. Yeah, no. High school French has left me. Sorry, you had the language settings changed (laughs) on the mic. Hello, Janae. How are you? Welcome Um, to We Oh, wait a minute. Oh, sorry. I'm on the wrong show. (laughs) Welcome to We Like It So What? (laughs) What? 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 <laughs> no, you're on. We're on conscious contact. Oh, oh, okay. Conscious contact avec Jeanne PV. Contact. Yeah. Jamal yeah. and Janae. When you, this is the the trick. When you have a, you know, when you're speaking with a French accent, you just have to sound like you have a mouthful of peanut butter. <laughs> Je suis Jeanne PV. Bienvenue à conscious contact. You're you're good at that. Well, you know, I studied like French. In high school and college, and I can't remember any of it. Oh yeah, I took AP French and remember zero. All of, all I can say is uh, je mange pain beurre et confiture, which means I like bread, butter, and jam. Oh, j'écoute musique tout le temps. That's all I can say. I, I listen to music all the time. That's it. You're killing it. No. That's it, and you keep saying more stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, if I could go to France, <laughs> fly over to France right now, uh-huh. and say, oh, je suis Je suis Jamal. Yeah. Uh, omelette du fromage. And they'll say, oh, oh, oui. All the first ladies would just be, you know. That's, uh, a, that's a Dexter's Laboratory reference, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Omelette du fromage. That's all you can say. <laughs> you remember? Okay, you'll have to Google that. I'm going to have to watch that. I haven't watched Dexter since it was originally on, I don't think. Yep. Eventually. Does it some- replay somewhere? Uh, or does it live online? Maybe Boomerang. Boomerang okay. has all like the old Cartoon Network stuff that yeah. they, they play during the daytime. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I feel like I've, have I invaded your podcast, by the way? No. Okay. I'm brand new at this. I'm a baby. And you are what I would consider moderate to pro podcaster at this point. At this point, I would call myself like semi-professional. I mean, like I'm semi-pro. Still in, I'm still like in the, yeah. Word to Jackie Boomer. I'm still <laughs> like in the mi- the minor leagues of podcasting because even on we like it so what shameless plug linked most, below <laughs> the most shameless of plugs. We've been doing it for like two years. I yeah. mean, there's a whole break. We took let's call it sabbatical. Sabbatical, yeah. But we've just now started to come back, and I feel like I'm still trying to get my bearings as far as recording, mm-hmm. using the mixer, using the mics combining the powers of the two to its fullest potential. I still feel like I don't know enough. Yeah. No, I feel you. I'm right there with you. I'm still learning as I go. Thank you for allowing me to be a guest. I would say it is an honor and a privilege for people to listen to my voice on this episode. I would agree. No, The smooth, smooth jazz of Jamal Murphy. It's an honor and a privilege for them is what I'm talking about. I agree. Not me. (laughs) But no, I'm I'm honored that you said yes because mostly I just want to have you on because you're my friend and I like to talk to you. Aww. So, and because why not? Yeah. And, and if I just want to have a whole episode where I talk to my friend, I can do that and I don't have to worry about it. See, and we're also working together to work out the bugs of all the awkwardness 
of yeah. recording a podcast and all of the the weird audio ticks. Mm-hmm. See, in my head, I've I've created a list of like sounds I hate. Yeah, babies crying, mm-hmm. flies buzzing, nails on a chalkboard. Like in no particular order, but that that whole lip smacking before you say something work. The parting. That's number one. <laughs> the that's, parting. That's one and two. And when I'm by myself, I'm definitely guilty of chewing an apple with my mouth open. A hundred percent. Yeah. So living like, my best life, being disgusting. But when I'm in a group of people, I try to pay attention to. <laughs> well, if no one's around, then you know, all bets are off. Yeah. Just do whatever you yeah, polite is very subjective. It is subjective. Day. I think that's a wonderful thing for us to talk about because what does that even mean anymore? I think we're gone are the days of, oh, good morning, milady. How do you do? Mm -hmm. And rules of etiquette. I think rules of etiquette probably really only exist in certain like esoteric circles where it's, you know, eat with this fork and this knife. Yeah, or a different country where they've got their value system a little bit. Right, but here here it's like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah. Push someone out of the way. Maybe you'll open the door for them. Maybe you won't. Yeah. You know, I've kind of built a, I don't know, like a a value system as far as being polite. Mm -hmm. Say please and thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll open, you know, open the door for a woman if I see her or, or man, whoever. Yeah. Anyone's non-binary. I'll open the door for them. Maybe a child. Potentially. Children? No. (laughs) I just walk. Depends on the day. Out of my way, kid. Yeah. But yeah, you know, open the door for people, you know, certain things in life, like you need, you need to kind of maintain as a value system. Yeah, I agree. As far as being polite. So, yeah, I would have to say that, and this takes a lot of energy on my part because I am an introvert and I would rather just not talk to people that I don't know. I hate surface level conversations and the checkout line used to be like my nightmare scenario of having to make small talk with someone as Uh they scan my groceries. But I've realized this person sees the worst of human contact, human decency. I've worked in the service industry before, so I definitely know how crappy people can be. And it's, it's even worse now. I can't even, cause I mean, the last time I was in the service industry was probably over 10 years ago and the stuff that's happened between then and now, I can't, Imagine the old me being able to keep a job in the current climate. But then in general, everyone's having a bad day. Yes. You you have to kind of view it that way. Every Just assume that everyone that you interact with is in a lot of emotional pain. Right. You never know what someone's going through. They may have just lost their mother or their child. They may have just, you know, heard someone got in a car wreck. They may be dealing, battling cancer. You don't know why they're being a terrible human it may just be that they're in a lot of pain and that doesn't excuse their behavior whatsoever but it can help me reframe taking it so personally or feeling like this they are angry at me for something that I've done because most of the time that's not the case because I don't go around being the type of person that gets put on YouTube so (laughs) I keep hoping one day I'll have that that moment where I go ape shit. So I look over to my left and someone does, they got the phone out because I feel like those, those moments, I honestly feel like they don't happen, you know, organically. No. Sometimes there's a, there's a level of, Oh, I caught this person in the store. Mm -hmm. They've got a shitty attitude. Maybe something will pop off. Maybe I should go egg them on. Maybe I should, you know, have my phone on camera out just Mm -hmm. in case Mm -hmm. because I know, 
when I used to work retail, I, I feel like I used to see the worst of people. Yeah. It made me not like people only, but yeah. only in the sense that everyone's coming in, either they're going to steal something or they, they want to discount. Mm-hmm. Yep. They feel like they deserve something. Yep. Just to be. They're owed. Yeah. Just for being a customer. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. owed your time. They're owed your politeness. They're owed your going to the nth degree for them. They're owed the red carpet being rolled out right. and it could be Walmart, you know? Well, for me, it was Sunglass Hut. Oh, ooh. I feel like the higher the price point, the worse the people. Do you think that that tracks? Yes. Yeah. Because people will have the idea of, okay, I'm paying $200 for these Oakley sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have this guy look the other way and I'll swap him out for a pair of $20 sunglasses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at that $180 I didn't have to spend True. on sunglasses. True. Or they feel owed because of what they're spending that they deserve a higher class of customer service where they deserve more ass kissing or whatever. Right. And I don't want to say it's part of just the ether of America right now, but politeness also I think of what you can and can't talk about in, and I don't mean just a random stranger, with your friends or people you're friendly with. Maybe I should say that because my version of friend is probably different than like acquaintances that people Mm -hmm. have. If you know you're going to disagree with someone on something, you can't talk about it now, I feel like. Right. Because we can't have conversations. It's always got to be an argument. And people don't want to listen and understand the other side. They just want to be heard and be right. That's more important. And I think that that is a lot of the discourse of being online and social media. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to say something and they don't care who agrees or disagrees as long as they're heard. Yeah. Yeah. But every now and then you'll find someone. Oh, yeah, I disagree. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. The left is, you know, killing, killing America, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Look look at these conservatives. And it's it's political discourse. Now Mm -hmm. it's it's social. It's oh, you know, that Marvel movie sucked. You know what? I agree with you. Yeah. Or I disagree. Yeah. And I think there's a level level to where we can agree to disagree without it becoming, yeah. you know, this kind of, you know, blood feud. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go kill the guy who lives <laughs> two states away because he thinks, you know, the, the newest Spider-Man movie is whack. Yeah. That you saw on a Reddit post online yeah. at, you know, 1 a.m. in your boxers at your right. computer. Why do we put so much value in what other people think about us and, and the... The need to be right, I think, is really fascinating, and it's something that I struggled with for a long time, and I'm not talking about data, right and wrong, mm-hmm. or facts. Like, maybe moral high ground is the way to say it, or just intrinsically, they they feel justified that their viewpoint is the only viewpoint, and therefore it is right. right. And if you don't agree, then you are an evil, bad, terrible, stupid person, and even in just little interactions, I could find myself wanting to be right more than wanting to conserve the peace or more than being able to have the perspective of how insignificant the thing that we're talking about is. Do you find like the wanting to be right ultimately supersedes actually being right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then I'm married to it. Even if I realize halfway through the conversation that I'm not right, I'll probably still go go on with it and still try to argue my point for at least another two minutes. I think, yeah, there's a lot of like, especially in the, in the online circles, I always find that you have the kind of arguments online that you would probably not have with the person. Absolutely, yeah. Because then you have to, let's say you, you get called out on your bullshit and mm-hmm. you have to check your facts. Yeah. Like, 
checking you, a fact online is as easy as, oh, let me log on to Google. Google. Is this, is yeah. this right? Mm-hmm. Yes? No? Okay. Yeah. This person I argued with was correct. So let me take a step back. Yeah. But, but do, do you like, think yeah. they ever then comment and say, oh, I found out that you were right. My bad. No. I don't think so either. <laughs> the weird thing I think too is that there's that there's a level of like emotional connectivity. You can get more with just spouting opinions and just telling people how you feel mm-hmm. without the repercussions. Yeah. You feel Screaming strongly about it. Yeah. You feel strongly about it because you know that someone can't come back at you because they're not in the same room or someone you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a that's another weird thing about the online space versus the real space. Yeah. Say so you can have a conversation with your boyfriend and you can it can build up to a level to where you know, okay, I gotta take a step back yeah. because I don't want this to blow over. Yeah. But if you're having that conversation online, it's like, well, I can log off. Yep, there's no boundaries. Yeah, fuck that other person. Yeah, online. you don't have to have any humanity when it's all online. And I I struggle with that a lot. Secondary to just all the other issues that I have with social media, it dehumanizes us. Just our interactions with each other, I don't feel like they're the same as they would be, just like you were saying, they're not the same as they would be in real life. And we start learning this pattern of behavior of, how to interact with each other in the world based on how we interact with each other on social media. Right. And that does not translate one for one. I have, I, I don't understand this and maybe it's because I haven't been single in a long time. So I just, I'm not meant to understand. It. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But 10 years ago when you're single, the, how do you go about picking someone up? Because back then you would think, Oh, this and I'm gonna speak from my perspective. Oh, that man is attractive. Let me go talk to him. The initial first reaction is gonna be that man is attractive. As shallow as that may be, that's yeah. probably one of the first, or you like their laugh, or you like their outfit, or whatever. It's gonna be something superficial, something shallow. And then you're gonna take that step to try to talk to them. How how do you even go about that now when it, it is vilified for you to think that someone to think that a woman is attractive? Period. Right. How how can you go about it in a way that she's not going to feel objectified or that the internet would feel like she's not being objectified? Right. First, I think in picking up a woman, um, I mean, you have to stretch because you don't, you don't know. <laughs> I know, but make sure you bend, bend at the knees. Okay, let me, sorry, let me stop. But yeah, I know Yeah, the standard of, like I said, decorum is different now than it was 10 years ago. Now with yeah. Me Too movement, time's up. Yeah. Which are you no know, valid causes yes. for concern. Yeah. But I think I even I even saw an interview with a uh, Henry Cavill, aka Superman. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess at this point I could say the former, Witcher. former yeah. yeah. Geralt of Rivia. Geralt. I think he was even addressing something like this. Like, how do you kind of, you know, compliment a woman yeah. or approach a woman without feeling as if, you know, you're you're the enemy. Yeah. So I think there is no easy way. Maybe the easy way is to let them approach you. I guess, yeah. Yeah, our biological urges kind of, they take over. So mm-hmm. in a gym setting, even in a club setting, yeah. a bar setting, I think nine times out of ten, you're always you're going to be saying or doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And that tenth time is like, yeah, this is the thing you should have said. I don't know if it's weird because, I mean, I've been awkward forever, so I understand the, the constant battle of trying to <laughs> articulate what you mean and make it sound like a human and have the other person understand you, right. but... I think this is kind of past that and everyone takes everything so damn seriously and gets offended so easily. I don't personally. So I feel like there's probably other people that don't too. I don't feel like you do. 
But then again, I would never say anything that would particularly be trying to offend you. It really depends. Yeah. Now, I'm not I'm not the most thick-skinned person in the world, even though I probably should be. But I also, I can take a joke as well as anyone else, yeah. but at the same time, I can't. It, mm. de- it depends on the joke. Well, yeah, yeah. No, and I think if you like the joke and it hits, it's funny. But if someone else hears the same joke and it doesn't hit for them, it's not going to be funny and they right. could get offended by it. But framing it as like it's a joke or I'm trying to pay you a compliment and pick you up, like that line is so blurry. Yeah. And before it was just blurry and the girl would be like, no, I'm not interested. And now it's blurry and she can accuse you of being a misogynistic, sexist creep instead when you were you were genuinely trying to pay her a compliment. I don't understand how you work around. There's no answer for this, I'm sure. But how would... I just don't understand how people are out there living their life. How do you go on a date with someone? How... And, it's turning into that Chappelle sketch where you're going to have to have someone sign a consent form. Right. Like even just a hit on them. But I know, I guess number one is like, don't look like a creep. (laughs) But what does that even mean now? I mean, don't have just a mustache. When you have just a mustache, (laughs) you look like either a cop or a pedophile. Unless it's November. Yeah. November. (laughs) So I think that that's, you know, rule number one. Clothes are probably good. Yeah, clothes. clothes, Wearing clothes, not being naked. Clothing optional, maybe. But it's just a matter of your approach and your intent. People like to say intent is important, especially when they say something offensive or something controversial. Well, what about the intent? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think even in the dating space, even in relating to people, intent is important. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, do you agree with that statement? Because I definitely do. I do think intent is important. No. No? But yes, I, I agree. It depends because if it's something that can be deemed offensive, what is the intent of you saying the N word, the C word, the, mm-hmm. the J word or whatever? Jamal. Yes. I was going to say Jewish. Oh. But no, like it really, it really does depend on your intent. I agree. And I, there are certain things that, yes, you, I don't think necessarily because I'm not a comedian and I understand where comedians come from. I don't think that there's anything that you shouldn't joke about. Because I understand that it's a joke and I get, I understand the mechanics behind that. Just because it's not for me, it might not be for me. I don't like a whole lot of comedians because I just don't resonate with their stuff or I think their jokes are shitty, you know, and that's, that's all right. But that doesn't mean that I personally feel like they should never be able to say a joke again. Right. That's just not for me. I need to go find somebody else. But sometimes I think there is malicious malicious intent. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Some things people say and some things people do. Yeah. So you really have to kind of find a dividing line between mm. looking at the person, the core the core values of that person, the core kind of, you know. Yeah. I, I think what that. What their intent is, rather. Yeah. I think that that's what I'm missing is we don't give people the benefit of the doubt anymore. Mm-hmm. And we don't let them evolve. As humans, we hold them to the standard of whoever they were 15 years ago. And even if they're a completely different person now and they've changed, it doesn't matter because they've said one thing one time. So they are a terrible human forever. So, yeah, I guess to kind of get off on a tangent, but it's related to this. Uh, you remember when James Gunn had his controversy a few years ago? He had his, uh, you know, kind of, you know, low, low humor, dark humor tweets that got him in trouble. He was fired from. Uh, mm. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Oh, uh huh, yeah, and then yeah. He was brought back 
there's a part of me that feels like he was never really fired. I mm. think they just kind of wanted the controversy to blow over because mm. in the meantime, he was able to direct the other Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. He's got a whole Peacemaker series that he wrote and directed. So mm-hmm. obviously to the big wigs at Warner Brothers and even Marvel, it wasn't as big of a deal. These tweets that he made in, let's say, 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, rape and pedophile tweets, kind of dark humor. Mm-hmm. That may have been the type of person he was then. Yeah. And you can, you know, apologize profusely about it. And even people that you worked with or worked for. Yeah. Can come to your aid and say, hey, this isn't the same person he was then. Exactly. And I think the apology matters little to zero. And I think so much weight is placed on that. If if they apologize, I think that a lot of things warrant that. I'm not saying that apologies should not be done. However, an apology is nothing without changed action. And if that right. person is not different or isn't trying to learn from their mistake, I don't care if they apologize. Yeah, and you can see with a lot of his material, it it still has that kind of dark, kind of rude-natured humor yeah. about it. Yeah, and I, I personally love that because I'm a rude-natured person. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> well, it's, just, it's, it's fine, but I think you have to carry yourself in such a way that you don't let that person from the past influence the present or even the future. Oh, yeah, for sure. So there there are ways, just like, like for example, like uh, you know, a former neo-Nazi, Mm-hmm. can change. Yes. But is there yeah. something in the core of that person that still feels the way they did 10 years ago, which is entirely possible. Uh, but I think there yes. is room for change. Yes. Yeah. It could be that they are the same person or it could be that they had a moment of clarity and said, I'm disgusted with myself and I'm, I'm different than I was before. And I'm just speaking from, from personal experience. I don't think that I am anywhere near the person that I was 10 years ago and not just because I didn't like what that person said and did or the way that they viewed the world or how they treated people, but because genuinely I sought to change it because I did, I didn't want that anymore, not just for myself, but for the other people around me. And I don't think I've ever, I mean, someone could go, I haven't had Twitter that long, so they probably couldn't do it on Twitter, maybe Facebook or MySpace, if that's still a thing. You might be able to dig something up that I said forever and a, a day ago. But no, I'm sure I said things were, that were extremely judgmental, rude, generalizations, stereotypes, all of that stuff. And I mean, social media aside, the person that I was in real life was not that grand. Right. And if someone met me today that hadn't talked to me in 10 years and they still assumed that I was the same person, I would be petrified. I would I would be so sad for them and I would love to sit down and have a conversation with them because there's so much change that can genuinely happen because I used to think that a person can't change that's it that's who they are and I use that as an excuse for my bad behavior I thought well this is just who I am I'm just blunt I'm just whatever I'm just a bitch and it was it was just all an an excuse I didn't want to change so I could never see how that could happen for somebody else And, and I think that human beings in general have a huge capacity to grow and change, but it does require effort. It doesn't require just a, I'm embarrassed of this thing I did. Let me not do it again. That's not change. Yeah. And I think going back to what you said earlier and even relating to, you have to look at how your behavior affects the other person. Yes. You have to kind of step outside yourself and think, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this thing. How is it going to affect them? Yeah. And I think that's one problem. And one thing that can affect change is looking outside yourself, the sphere of yourself and thinking, okay, I'm going to say this thing, but how's this thing going to affect the person I'm saying it to? Yeah. 
are they going to be offended? Are they going to, are they going to laugh? Will they agree with me? Will they disagree with me? Yeah. And using that information and saying, how am I going to feel about myself once this comes out and they feel X, Y, Z. But when you're in a gym setting, a bar or club, a lot of that stuff is biological urges. You're thinking of, you know, your base caveman DNA Mm -hmm. and thing of, you you know, you're thinking with your little head versus the big head, whatever. Yeah. So you're not, you're not thinking clearly. Com- yeah. Combine that with alcohol, combine it with yeah. weed, drugs, whatever. Combine, combine it, it with, with innocent intent you know, also. So, yeah, nine times out of ten, you're, you're going to say and do things that are going to rub people the wrong way. Yeah, and you have to be allowed, and all this to say you have to be allowed to be human too. Like, we make mistakes. That's, like, in our makeup. That's part of being human to err is human, you know? And I think that that's really important that that does not mean that this one thing that you said one time is who you are as a whole for eternity. Mm-hmm. You're a human and maybe, and not even stuff that should or should not gets, get you canceled, but this one thing that you said that was off collar to somebody because you were having a bad day, you know, that you would hope that whoever you said it to, if you came at them genuinely and said, hey, yo, I was having a bad day, I'm sorry, that's not how I wanted to, to treat you. You would hope that they wouldn't say, nope, that's it. Yep. Fuck your apology. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. And I feel like that is a lot of what's going on right now. That is a lot of society. We don't allow that room for genuine remorse or change or just to be human and make a mistake, man. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is you have to do things and say things that you won't have to apologize for mm-hmm. later. True. Very so true. That, that is a lot of the thinking that. People probably should have. Yeah. But also people are like, well, you know what? Freedom of speech, I say whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So and that kind of thinking is, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it because this is how I feel. And to hell with everyone's feelings. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, it gets framed that way a lot when free speech doesn't mean that you don't have consequences for what you say. Right. It means that you can say whatever you want, but there may be consequences for that. And you're willing to accept those if you say those things. Because you can say it, but you have to deal with the back end of it for sure. And then that means that's someone else who could also say whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, you know what? Fuck you. Mm -hmm. You're wrong. Yeah. And I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah. But I think a lot of that plays out in the online space more so than it does in the real real world. A hundred percent circling back to that. I mean, it's, it is an alternate reality. And we were kind of talking about this before we started recording the metaverse, the the Facebook taking over the world scenario, the constantly being plugged in, living in the matrix. Right. I think we're pretty close to that even before the whole metaverse thing. I think a lot of people live most of their emotional life online and get validation from that or have their feelings hurt from that or feel less than or better than from that. And that is where they get human connection from, which is a wonderful thing and a terrible thing at the same time. Yeah. I know for me personally, as a somewhat, semi-professional freelance but not really freelance artist i know that there's a validation i get from say posting artwork online Mm -hmm. someone hits that like button Mm -hmm. a heart whatever so to me that's like oh wow this person liked my stuff yeah now they may be liking it out of pity or just an obligation okay well this person this person is my friend let me support them so it doesn't necessarily mean that they do like it but i i get kind of a personal satisfaction of i posted it yeah and it's like oh someone liked it 30 likes on Instagram. Yeah. It was a good day. Living a high life. Yeah. I 
I want to ask you this question. Since you are an artist and feedback on your art is kind of like, I mean, that's not the sole purpose for making art, but that is a lot of what goes into it. And I'm sure that fills you up a lot, just emotionally. Mm-hmm. You did, a, well, I mean, you've done multiple pieces of art for me and Luke, and I love them. Do you get the same sense of satisfaction and accomplishment when you say you gave me the mermaid piece and I told you how much I liked it? Did that mean the same amount as when you get 30 likes on Instagram? And you can be honest. Yes. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. No, I'm kidding. That's all I'm saying about it. No, but I do think like when there's, when there's intent behind what you're doing, mm-hmm. we, we go back to that, that I word yeah. intent a lot. Yeah. And when it's coming from a kind of a deeper personal place, mm-hmm. me just drawing some shitty sketch and putting it on Instagram isn't going to mean as much as I'm drawing this for a friend that I love and I know that they're going to enjoy it. So there's a higher sense of validation when I can give something to someone on a personal level, mm-hmm. as opposed to like on an impersonal level of just posting something, some sketch or doodle on Instagram and, you know, yeah, I get a few likes, but I think, like I said, a lot of that is just, you know, it's, it's there for people to see mm-hmm. and they can either like it or not like it. I think that you got your head on your, sh- I mean, I already knew that, but you got your head on your shoulders. Oh, I thought you said I, was, I got my head up by it. It's like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, Janae. <laughs> you haven't said anything that I feel that way about yet. Um, but I think a lot of people, it is the reverse. I think that they get more satisfaction, serotonin from Instagram interaction right. than they do from their friends and family and that interaction. Yeah, because you see people nowadays, people post, they post reels and mm-hmm. TikTok videos and they get millions of likes, you know, yeah, thousands of comments and whatever, because that's, it's instant gratification for mm-hmm. them. Yep. As opposed to it's the easy way. Yeah. As opposed to someone you know, they may not respond to it right away. Mm-hmm. So why not have the largest number of people, the largest common denominator, mm-hmm. give you this adulation and attention? It's like, oh wow. Yeah. I'm getting thirty thousand likes on Instagram. Cool. Yeah. As opposed to you may not, you know, see some. You may not see someone you know for thirty minutes, and you feel like they're not paying attention to you. Yeah. Yeah. And how much that affects. Again, how people act in real life versus how they act on the internet and the priority that's placed on internet interaction versus sitting down like we're doing and having an actual conversation with someone and not looking at your phone and not worrying about what you're doing later. (laughs) But no, it's... Sorry, I was going to take a selfie. (laughs) It's a thing, you know, it's, it almost conditions us to be wary of interacting with someone in real life because it's not... It's not as fulfilling or it can feel like it's not as fulfilling. It's not as much attention when I feel like it's the opposite. And we can't control the outcome. Yeah. You can't delete a comment that your friend says, you know, to your face. You can delete it on on Instagram. If someone says, hey, your nose looked big in this picture, you can delete it and cry in a corner for a second. But then it doesn't live forever. But if your friend said some shit like that to you. Yeah you're going to reevaluate your whole life and start Googling plastic surgeons. You know, it's, I feel as though with the rise of the metaverse and people being able to do things completely online, which don't even get me started on zoom meetings. I don't ever want to be on another zoom meeting in my life. Mm. Seeing people through a screen, instead of being physically present with someone, you lose out on what I think makes us a human as a species. Community connection is so important and we feel like we're getting it. We get this placebo version. Yeah. 
on Instagram and Facebook and then don't seek it out in real life because we think that we're getting it. We think that we're filling that space of community and connection. And then inevitably it fails us or a picture doesn't do well. And our entire identity is wrapped up in that versus the people that are sitting in your house two rooms away that are probably also on their phones. Yeah. Instead of interacting with them, you feel completely alone, even though you're right next to other people. Yeah. And I think there's something you lose in talking to someone online because you'll wait. There's that one or two second gap. Yes. For them to relay the message to get back to you. And I think in some small way, it's chipping away at your feeling Mm -hmm. in terms of the feeling of connectivity because, okay, I'm waiting to see if, if they got this message and then, oh, it's buffering. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not hearing me or maybe Mm -hmm. my internet is bad. So yeah, there there was something to be said for being in the same room with someone at the same time. Yeah. Absorbing their feelings and absorbing what they're saying and they absorb what you're saying. And I think it does go a long way to keeping that connectivity going as opposed to losing internet connectivity because your internet is shitty and you can't talk to someone. Love the analogy. Yes. No, I agree. And even texting versus calling people. When you're texting, yeah, yeah, no, same. And I try to to fight against that because again, I think something is lost in your ability to edit what you're about to say. Like, yes, you can edit it in your head when you're talking on the phone, but our brains don't really work like that. If you're texting, you can type out this big, long thing and then delete it all and just say, K, (laughs) you know, and how much of your personality are you losing when you do that? How much are you, you're, you're telling yourself you need to edit you as a, as a being. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me, I know I've had plenty of moments where I've wanted to say something snarky to somebody, mm-hmm. and then I, I I type it out, but I don't hit send. Yeah. And then I go back and delete and say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll be there in a second. Yeah. And I think that there's a benefit to that, but at the same time, I wonder if that makes you less able to do that on the fly right. when you're talking to someone in person. I guess we'll never know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know for sure. <laughs> but it's... It's a weird dynamic and it's weird how things are are changing and thinking back to like pre-internet is hard to fathom. Like for people, people that are born now or people that have been born in the last 20 years have grown up with internet. Yeah. And don't understand what it is. I mean, maybe this isn't, I mean, it's obviously not all families because when I had Lacey on, obviously she is homeschooling her children. She has a homestead. Her children spend time outdoors and interacting with them, each other, with their mom and dad, with the world around them. So it's definitely not all children. But getting kicked out when the sun comes up during the summer and told not to come back till the sun comes down and you don't know if your friend's home other than all the bikes are outside and you have to use a landline, you have to plan ahead, you have to be considerate. (laughs) I would love to know if someone like Harvard or Yale or the schools that do this type of stuff are doing a study on how the brain develops differently with a childhood where you are outside pre-internet childhood to a childhood now. Well, then you can also consider, let's say some cultures aren't necessarily connected to technology. Even some parts of the country aren't really connected to that. So in those kind of deeper rural areas, rural, 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 rural areas. How hard it is to say the word rural. It's terrible. There is no internet. It's only, you know, natural light and mm-hmm. whatever whatever's around yeah. you. Yeah. So there I think there's there probably still are parts of the country, even the world, that aren't on the grid. That yeah. aren't connected. So they're not losing that sense of connectivity because they're, you know, looking at their their tablet. 
Yeah. Or the, the kid, iPad. Yeah. yeah, the kid's acting up, but just give him a tablet. Yeah. It'll calm down. And again, I there's benefit to it and there's a lot of negative. I mean, the benefit right. of being able to Google something, having information yep. on demand is huge. Being able to connect with someone on a, in a different part of the world is huge. Being able to have the ability for us to ship things internationally and the fact that UPS exists. Well, I mean, FedEx too. Let me not like yeah, don't ostracize myself from a sponsor or something. DHL. Let me not forget. But there's so much benefit to technological advancements, medical, all of that stuff. But I wonder how much of our humanity we give away for it. How long does it take for a piece of what was reality in the past to cease to exist? Right. A way of life to cease to exist. This is why, in a way, I, I always kind of pine for nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Because Same. Because I still like the cartoons of the 80s and 90s. I still mm-hmm. like the toys of the 80s and 90s. And yeah. now it's, okay, everything's on a tablet. Everything's on an yeah. app. Yeah. And I used to love getting up early in the morning watching, you know, all the cool cartoons that were on coming home from school. Yeah. But I think nowadays they don't have that because it's on demand. It's on demand or there's there's less of a need to entertain people because now you can just find it instantly on mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah. There's no time to be bored. Yeah. There's no delayed gratification. There's right now or there's never. Right. And I feel the same way. I have a huge like waves of nostalgia when I'm able to watch an old cartoon or listen to, you know, grunge rock from the 90s and 2000s. I just feel a sense of what life used to be like (laughs) and the ease at which people seem to have been made happy, I think is what jumps out at me. And that might be reading way too much into it, but that's how I feel when I listen to it instinctively is that this was a time of less distraction. This was a time of problems were very small because we weren't as interconnected as a community, as the world. Again, there's pros and cons to that. The slowness of living is a fondness that I have for the 2000s, the 90s, and back because things feel very go, go, go. And it feels this immediacy because everything is on demand. You got to do it right then. I'm just not down with that. That's not how I want to live. And I don't think that that's fulfilling for a lot of people, not consistently, not long-term. There were less distractions Mm -hmm. and probably more connectivity. You could probably sit around and talk with your family and have dinner and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was all you knew. Yeah. And now it's okay. Mom made dinner. All right, go upstairs. I'm going to get my tablet, get on Instagram. Mm -hmm. My sister's going to get on Twitter or whatever and talk shit about some girl she knows in high school. Yeah. And that, that is what life is now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, even getting back to music, like there's a part of me that I love, you know, 70s and 80s funk and R&B. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that stuff is the basis for samples for yes. music today. Yeah. And it's always interesting to me to see that was, you know, quote unquote, real music, mm-hmm. live instruments, yes, live singers, everything, no samples. Yeah. They didn't, you know, have something they could draw inspiration from, so they they made it up on the fly. Yeah. And to me, that that kind of reflects a simpler, less distracted time mm-hmm. because you you were writing a song, you were making music, and it was, you know, whatever it whatever it needed to be. 
a different form of creativity too. Yeah. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. The live music aspect, the fondness that I have for 40s and 50s music is, you know, it was in-person singing. And a lot of it was just them making, well, more so 30s and 40s than into the 50s. But they were making the the sounds of the musical instruments with their voices. Yep. And if they did have musical instruments, it was right then and it was recorded as that person was singing. And that was it. I mean, you could do multiple takes, obviously, but it required a whole lot more presence of mind. There was not a million take type of scenario. It was truly, you need to be fully present in this moment to get this or you're not going to. Uh, Capturing that moment in time Mm -hmm. is just so cool to me. And I love electronic music too, don't get me wrong, but live instruments. And having that, it's like a photograph. You're capturing that soundscape that happened in that moment when you're talking about live music from from in the past. Is very, it's a very different feeling than a completely electronic version that someone has made. They they both are valid and they're both music, but it's right. a different feeling, a different process. And even that goes back to today. You can be at a live concert with live music, but you're not really enjoying it because, oh, let me take this 15-second video that I can post mm. to Instagram. Mm-hmm. Let me take this selfie with my homies because oh, we're at the concert, but you're not you're not taking in the moment. Yeah. So in the 70s, if I went to, you know, um, an Earth, Wind, and Fire concert, it's like you're there. You're listening. That's it. There's no time to, you know, pick up my cell phone that's the size of a brick mm-hmm. and you know, take a selfie, call my homies. Oh yeah. We're at the concert, man. Yeah. You're there. You're listening to the music. You're grooving. You're, you're enjoying it. Yeah. So I think that kind of value system, that kind of idea, that's, that's something I definitely think can be brought back. Yeah. And I, I think with music, you're able to connect with that a little bit. That that's how it is for me, forcing myself to be present yeah. and not scroll on my phone. And, and listen to the piece that I've selected or the Sirius XM has yeah. selected for me. You, you lose out on so much when you're trying to do things, two things at once. The brain cannot multitask. That right. is a complete myth. And if you are doing more than one thing, you are t- having a diluted version, diluted, not diluted. Diluted and diluted. <laughs> version of both. You're not experiencing one fully at all. Right. And I think that we can get lost in that, you know, kind of going back to the, the metaverse thing. I don't see how you can suspend your disbelief and your reality enough for it to work the way that they want it to work, for it to be a truly Matrix-esque situation. Because yeah. are they going to come out with an attachment that you put over your crotch so that you don't have to go to the bathroom? Uh, no. No? Maybe. Or maybe it's a matter of tapping into the brain to feel that sensation of relief so that you don't actually feel like you have to go to the the restroom. That's creepy. It is. All right, I'll give you a weird example. Okay, so I was at work one day. At, you know, believe it or not, I have a job. <laughs> so I was at work. I was randomly thinking about, you know, you know, Batman has to get his, you know, tires changed on his uh, Batmobile. Who does that kind of work? Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll walk outside and then I'm crossing the street and then I see a car approaching and guess what was on the license plate for that car? What? Batman. 
It was a Batman symbol. I was like, no bullshit. The like, woman in the, the f- red dress is coming what? down the sidewalk. In my head, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I'm like, am I, li- am I living in a simulation? I don't want to get too woo-woo for you. Woo-woo, okay. Too, like, spiritual for you, so you can stop me if you want. All right, stop. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I think that there can be this... I think that there's a big discussion that could be had between the difference between people that feel like coincidences mean that you're in the matrix and this is all a simulation versus people that view coincidences as proof that God exists. Mm -hmm. And that if we open ourselves up to it, we're able to see that. And it's kind of like a confirmation and coincidences to me. I'm, I mean, I'm a lucky number type of person. I look for all that stuff everywhere I go. I definitely pay attention to those types of things because it's intriguing to me. Mm And it does give me a sense of, used to creep me out. Now it kind of gives me a sense of like the universe is listening type of vibe, whether that universe is someone on a computer while I'm laying somewhere with my head jacked into a computer system or just something greater than me, like a power that I'm never going to be able to comprehend, which I think no matter how you view it, that's the same thing. So either it's the guy in the control room is the power greater than you that controls the world and mm-hmm. does everything or it's God. You think God created the internet? I think God created humans with the ability to learn, learn how to and create things. technology and free will. And I think that that's how it comes about. I think God is pretty hands off. Does that make any sense? I like to consider myself agnostic. A teacher. <laughs> no, I like to consider myself a tales <laughs> Iron Man three reference. Good, good one, Janae. Thanks. But yeah, I like to consider myself agnostic, mm-hmm. more or less. I believe something exists mm-hmm. that controls the world, controls the sun, the rain, mm-hmm. moon, all of that. But it doesn't have a name, doesn't have a gender, but it also, it just does. Yeah. And it whatever, is. whatever happens is whatever happens. Yeah. So tornadoes. Yeah. Someone says, oh, wow, thank God nothing happened. But do you, did God cause the tornado? Yeah. So you're thanking the the entity of the for, the force that destroyed your home and so on. Where's the balance in that? Yeah. But I also think that people they need something to hold on to in terms of faith and reasoning and why things happen the way they do, why people are, are taken from you too soon, mm-hmm. why people stick around longer mm-hmm. than you than you thought they would. So but there's a part of me that's like I just I kind of look and observe and I I try not to think too much about the fairness of it. Mm, Yeah. It's hard to think about the fairness of it. But I also think of the circumstances that lead you up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. If you die at 45 of heart attacks, like what was your diet like? What was your stress level Mm -hmm. like? But if you die at, you know, 90 and you were an asshole your whole life. Yeah. What were the circumstances that led up to that? Is that God saying, well, He's an asshole, but yeah, we'll, we'll let him live. Yeah. I I think it's really interesting to talk about stuff like, one, because we don't have an answer and there's no right or wrong. It's right. just summation. But kind of making me think about something that you said, genocide, children dying of cancer, that type of thing. There's a lot of people that argue that there isn't a God, because, and I was one of those people that argue that there is not a God because he wouldn't allow that to happen. And That's the, how I feel about it. Yeah, and I think I think about it, not in that way for two reasons that I've 
pondered. And this always, you know, it's constantly changing and evolving. One, how do I phrase this? So I don't sound like a crazy person. Very carefully. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and again, just talk about myself, which makes it easy because it's my opinion. And if you don't agree with it, that's totally okay. So first, firstly, I believe in a very hands-off God. I don't believe that other than the spark of creation, the beginning, the beginning and ending because time is relative type of thing, the path for everyone. I don't think that everything happens for a reason, but I do think there is a reason behind everything. I think that whether that's you learn from it or you're able to help someone else who's going through that same situation, say if your child dies of cancer, that's a terrible thing that no one should ever have to experience. However, and this doesn't make it okay and it's never going to take away that hurt, but if you're able to share how you got through that with another human being who's going through the same thing, I think that there's divinity in that. Mm -hmm. And Again, that doesn't negate that it happened. And I don't think that God chose for your child to die so that you could then help someone else and your child didn't matter. I think that once again, kind of going back to the free will piece and taking that down to a molecular level, cancer is a mutation. And I don't think that that has anything to do with God. Because again, I think for me, my conception of it is the beginning and the ending and whatever happens after that point is a manifestation of us living on this planet. Whether that's what we eat, what we drink, you're, to your point about having a heart attack, you know, you you were not living a life which would have prevented that. Right. But there are also people that smoke two packs a day and live till 100, Right. you know? I think that at a molecular level, there is that free will in place still, too. I don't think that it has, it's not a choice. It's not like God is rearranging your insides to give you cancer or not give you cancer or make you predisposed to this or that. I think it's, there is luck in my version of my conception of the universe as a whole. I think there is a lot of luck, but I don't think that that is how life runs. I don't think it is purely luck. I think that coincidence can show us a lot about the presentness of that kind of, you know, ooh, I don't know what it is, yeah. overarching thing. I like to think of if God had exists in any way. I like to think of God as the mother or father taking their kid to school, but then God is also that kid going to school, playing in the sandbox. And we are more or less the toys in that sandbox. Mm. So whatever happens, happens, you know, carried out by a force more powerful than us with a higher level of control than mm -hmm. us. It's just a matter of our our level of understanding or willingness to give into that force or not mm -hmm. that yeah. makes us who we are. But at the same time, we kind of use that as a reasoning for why the bad happens mm -hmm. or why the good happens. Oh, well, it hit the tornado hit my house, but it didn't hit someone else's. Well, that's just God was looking out for that person that day. Mm. But is that necessarily true? No. No. Yeah. And but again, the, the way the earth has evolved to me, God's activeness is kind of, removed from that he set it up at the beginning you know like setting up the computer system and installing everything that needs installed and then we come along and interject dynamics into that that change the scenario there are a lot more natural disasters now than there were then not only that even if that isn't true i look at it as population density the vast difference between population density back hundreds of thousands of years ago versus now and the amount of death that's going to occur from a natural disaster, how right. prepared people are for it, I think is a little bit different. 
And then you can also look at the industrial age, how technology changed mm-hmm. over time, climate change, climate control and whatnot. Yeah. We're making more, so we're producing more waste. Yep. We're producing more waste, and then that waste kind of gets evaporated into the atmosphere. Yeah. Those atmospheric changes cause, you know, acid rain, tornadoes, yeah. snowstorms, whatever. Yeah. But then there, there are those people that might say, well, you know, it's all man-made, which is an also entirely possible. Technology oh, has yeah. allowed us to kind of create and kind of harness nature in a way that mm-hmm. is probably beyond a lot of people's understanding. Yeah. The analogy that I like to think of, my my version, my conception is, so God is the writer of the screenplay. He has this plan. He's got all the characters. Here's what they say. Here's what they do. Here's how it ends. And then that act, we are all the actors. And then you get directors involved. You get light people involved. Those are all completely separate entities with free will that can decide to stay with that script, to improvise, to change the story completely because they don't like the way that it's working. And blaming God for a shitty movie at the end of that, when you've got so much human, like you were saying, so much human uh, interference and interaction with that plan and them choosing to go along with it or not go along with it, blaming God for that. It's kind of kind of the same thing, and it's it's hard to reconcile huge disasters like that. I totally get where people are coming from. You know, huge moments where hundreds of people lose their lives, millions of people lose their lives. Like, why did this happen? Um, speaking of like dictators and and genocide and all of that kind of stuff. Again, and this kind of goes into people's thought process behind: Is there God? Does that mean that there's a devil also? And I. I do not, my personal conception does not agree with that. I think that humans can be evil, but I don't think that there is one evil being that lives at the center of the earth. (laughs) But if that's the case, then is there one ultimately benevolent being that lives above? I don't think that, I was just reading about this, and I don't think that God is necessarily benevolent. I don't think that that is the word that I would use. Kind of spitballing from what I was reading, and I, I, I would agree with this. My conception of God is all love, but also justness. That doesn't necessarily mean all good. Right. There's justice in there. There's law. There's ultimate order. There's the Pythagorean theorem. There's all of that innate there's freaking geometry which i failed in high school there's all of that that is like innate laws of earth gravity so on and so forth there's law justness but there is also love which i think that part of it is completely good i think that that is the best version of humanity the most (laughs) well-intentioned thing that you could have but it has to coincide with justness with fairness and again looping back completely to what we were kind of saying about free speech free speech is there and you can say whatever you want but there's going to be consequences i feel that same way you know there's there's no law that says that i have to be nice to everyone there's no law that says that i have to you know get rid of greed and envy and jealousy and ego there's no law that says i have to be a good person technically Mm -hmm. But if I don't, there are consequences for that. And I'm not talking about like eternal damnation or anything. I'm talking about people thinking I'm a shitty person right. or me not feeling good about myself or me not being able to find a partner or, you know, any of those things. I can technically I can do whatever I want. There is free will. However, there is justice behind that. 
and that I'm going to have to pay consequences, even if it doesn't seem like I am, I have some kind of authority figure that's going to put those on me. There still will be consequences. I like to think of it in a, in a karmic way. I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. believe in karma, but I believe in, you know, sometimes the things you do reflect back on you in one way or the other. Yeah. So I, I believe in, you know, doing good and sometimes good will happen. But there's also a level of, you know, doing bad and good can still happen. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, good things happen to bad people, Mm -hmm. whether, you know, they expect it or not. And bad things happen to good people. Yeah. Whether they expect it or not. Yeah. So it really is a matter of doing no harm. Mm -hmm. Well, people like say, you know, do no harm, but take no shit. I agree with that. Which I guess is the best way to to live life. I'm very much like a a live and let live. Mm -hmm. But if you stay out of my way, I'll stay out of your way. Yeah. And I think that's the easiest way to kind of navigate life without, you know, heavy consequences and without people kind of getting in each other's way. But yeah, in this kind of big bustling, busy world we live in, everybody is in everybody's way. Yeah. So we're not thinking of, oh, the thing I'm doing. Oh, how's this going to affect this other person? We're thinking, okay, let me let me do what I want to do. Let me say what I want to say. Yeah. To help the consequences. Like, yeah. But like I said earlier, we're not thinking of the outward effect of that. Yeah. And I think like, but it's also not a matter of, of staying silent and oh, staying yeah. complacent, being, mm-hmm. being meek. Because being a, meek, I don't think is a good trait either. Yeah. Because I think that that does harm. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a matter of being free and being open and doing mm-hmm. things you enjoy. Yeah. As long as there isn't a detrimental effect to the person next to you. Yeah. Being kind. Yeah. Yeah. You can do whatever you want to yourself, but when it affects someone else, then you you have to take other things into consideration. And I think you can be kind without being overly kind. No, I agree. There's yeah. such things being like too nice. Yeah. See, and I think there's a big difference between kind and nice. Yeah. Being kind does not always mean that you're going to be nice. Being kind might be not being meek and calling someone out and saying what you did is not okay. Yeah. I still love you, you know, but that's not okay. Yeah. And you need to change your behavior. Because I can hold, a, hold the door open for one person mm-hmm. and then the three or four people behind them are like, oh, he's holding the door open. Mm-hmm. Then that ultimately ultimately means I may not, not get a chance to walk through that door because yeah. yep. everyone else is walking. Yeah. So that's me being overly nice to the point of not, detriment to yourself. Not, yeah, not getting what I need, which is to walk through that door. Yeah. If we can change just one life, one person's <laughs> life from listening to this, then mission accomplished. Yeah. Or if someone just feels heard. Like, yeah, I struggle with that too. Yeah. Or if they laugh and they're like, yeah, that's fucking funny. I knew, I knew it. That was a good pun. I'm going to use that at work tomorrow. (laughs) That, that is worth it. Yeah. That is just bringing some more positive energy into life. And that's kind of, that could be the whole theme of this too, is this brought more positivity into my life tonight. I hope it brought it into yours. Maybe just again, 60%. Not really. No, I'm kidding. It, it did. I was look. I was dreading it, but I was also looking forward to it. I was dreading it in the sense that, like I said, after listening to your previous episodes, like I don't have a story. I don't yeah. have like this thing that people can really glean information from. Say, wow, I, I learned a lot by listening to Jamal's stories. Like I don't really have a story. Well, your conversation with me was your story. Yeah. Your your viewpoint of life is your story, and where your motives are is your story and everything that we've talked about 
I mean, that that is. And I think that people will think, wow, I really learned a lot from his point of view and mm. how he viewed the world. And I think that it's valid. Everyone's opinion is valid, right, wrong, or indifferent. And you don't have to feel like you have this specific thing that is you to be worthy to talk right. at length about anything. Because I don't know anything. I am no one particular thing. I'm still figuring out who I am. I don't think I'm ever going to figure that out. Yeah, same here. And I don't have, I don't have anything specific that I can latch onto. Like, yeah, I'm in recovery, but that's just one part. And that's recent, you know, like I, I don't know anything else about myself. And I think that's kind of another thing I'm trying to do on here is figure out who, not who I am, because I think that's too general, but what do I really like talking about? I know it's not service level stuff, but you know, is it aliens? Is it yeah. God? Is it the internet? Is it movies? Is it whatever? And just the value of someone else hearing a conversation between two people. I think that makes a big difference. Right. I don't even know if it necessarily matters what we talk about. Just someone else feeling like they're included. Again, it's still connection through the internet because this podcast is on the internet. But it's the same thing as someone going to an Instagram and, and looking at the feed of someone that they enjoy or that they want to emulate or an influencer or whatever. Yeah, We are just two schmucks in Greensboro. But I'm sure someone's going to listen and and feel like they're part of the conversation, feel like they're in the room. That's how I feel when I listen to podcasts. And that's what I hope that I give to other people is to be able to feel like a fly on the wall, to have that connection, however distant in a positive way with technology, instead mm -hmm. of just this mindless scrolling that you aren't actually a part of, because right. I think the people that listen are part of the podcast. I do take whoever's listening into consideration when I talk to people and their thoughts, their feelings, the wide range of people that may potentially click on it and what they, not what they want to hear, but what do I want to say to this huge varied group? Mm -hmm. Does it matter? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, it's just another podcast, but the energy that I'm putting into it and that I feel like I knew you would bring to it is why I wanted to have you okay. on here. Well, as I previously said, I appreciate it, but yeah, it's, it's been good. And I appreciate you like inviting me on here, even if even if I felt like I didn't bring anything to it or I wasn't going to bring something. Maybe there was something that I did bring that I didn't didn't expect or didn't know. Oh, you did. Oh, I appreciate it. If if the views go down because of this episode, <laughs> then you'll know why. I doubt that. Worst episode of Conscious Contact <laughs> ever. You're awesome. And now everybody else is going to know how awesome you are. And we needed more Jamal out in in the world for you to get more ads served to you, if anything. Yep. <laughs> so now we've got it and I'm, I'm very glad. And I appreciate you coming and taking the time and, and the effort to have a conversation with someone in person. Cause it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yep. Uh, fist bump. Oh, okay. There we go. Thank you, Jamal. Thank you, Janae. Jamal, tell me if people want to listen to, the, a deep dive into the nerdy side of movies, music, pop culture. Where do they need to head to to listen to We Like It So What? Well, Janae, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. No, it's, yeah, We Like It So What. You can pretty much search on Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. So, yeah, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can also find us on Instagram. 
at we like it so what that's all one word oh my god i'm saying it just like i would say yep. it on an episode holy yep. shit <laughs> so yeah we like it so what that's one word so you can find us there so hopefully eventually and i keep saying we'll we'll do the law and order style crossover so you can be on an episode and cause talk, havoc <laughs> yeah talking about pop culture stuff let's not consider this like the part one of the crossover this is just like an episode that i just happen yes. to be on yes and we'll we'll make it more cohesive for the crossover. Yeah. We'll figure out how to connect the two, which I think will be fairly easy. They Hey, it's worked on Law & Order for 20 fucking years. Exactly. So I don't see why we couldn't do it. It's a good formula. Yeah. But yeah, y'all go check out his podcast. It is wonderful. The vibes are there just like they are here. You feel like you're part of the conversation. They get into the nitty gritty of the nerdy side of, I mean, everything. Y'all have kind of touched on everything over the years. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear what a pro sounds like on a podcast, you can definitely. Don't listen to We Like It So much. No, you can. No, you can. Seriously. But, yeah, I appreciate you. You are amazing. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for coming over and indulging me. You're welcome. No, thank you for being, thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your your heart is true. Your pal and a confidant. Both. Oh, yeah. Thank you. No, thank you, Janae. I love you too. See you later. All right. <laughs>